Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Y'all glad to be here? Well, good. I don't know if anybody had to wrangle you out of bed this morning if you just got up on your own. But either way, good to see you. Glad you're here. It'll be worth it. As God's good, He's got a word for us this morning. And uh, let's just jump into it right here. Don't even waste any time. Let's get rolling. In 1 Kings, the 13th chapter, the 28th verse is where we'll start reading. And then I'll explain it here in a moment. Then he went and found his corpse thrown on the road, and the donkey and the lion standing by the corpse. The lion had not eaten the corpse, nor torn the donkey. And the prophet took up the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, and brought it back. So the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. Then he laid the corpse in his own tomb, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. So it was after he had buried him that he spoke to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the tomb where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. This man of God is speaking of here is a young prophet. And the man that buried him there, that found him dead on the road, is an old prophet. It's an old prophet and a young prophet. So it's in, it's in the city of, of Bethel. And the word Bethel means house of God. And there was a wicked king there in Bethel. His name was Jeroboam. And Jeroboam was in the house of God, if you will, because he was in Bethel. And Bethel was the house of God. And Bethel, uh, Jeroboam was making sacrifices, uh, demon sacrifices, worshiping idols. And he was doing all these things in Bethel, in the house of God. And then the Lord sent this young prophet in there and he said, go and... And prophesy this. So this young prophet comes in there. And he starts prophesying. The Lord specifically said don't eat or don't drink anything. And don't even come back the same way you go in. Take two different routes. Don't eat or don't drink anything. You just go tell them what I've got to tell them. So this young prophet comes in and he starts prophesying against what they're doing. He said the kingdom's not going to stand. It's going to fall. And Jeroboam, of course, he didn't like what he heard. And he's commanding some of his officers to seize this young prophet. And as he stretches his hand forth to touch the young prophet, it says his, hands, his hand withered up. It just withered up. Obviously, that's a supernatural uh, manifestation of the, the power of God right there. And he recognized that, that this wasn't just some ordinary man. And Jeroboam falls down on his knees and he begins to cry out for mercy. He says, pray for me. Cried out for mercy. Pray for me. So the young prophet prayed for him, and his hand was restored. And of course, Jeroboam, he's blown away. He's amazed by this. It is pretty amazing. And he says, come back to my palace, come back to my home, eat with me, drink with me, stay the night. In other words, he's fixing to treat him like royalty. Come on back with me. But the Lord specifically says, don't eat or don't drink anything from this land because the land's polluted. Don't eat or don't drink anything from this land. So he tells him, he said, I can't. He said, uh, the Lord told me. I can't eat or drink anything from this polluted land, so I'm going to have to leave. In fact, I'm not even going back the same way I came in because this is the orders that the Lord gave me. So I can't go and I can't eat and drink with you. Well, let's just stop for a moment. This isn't even part of the, the direction we're going. But now, as Isaiah, the 54th chapter, it says, it says in Isaiah 54 that, um, what does it say in Isaiah 54? It just slipped my mind. 
Oh, yeah. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No, when this man goes to reach his hand out towards the, this young prophet, his hand withers up. And I was thinking that earlier. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And you may feel like a little bitty nobody. This prophet goes in there and he's a young man and here's this king, the kingdom of this whole entire city. Feels like he's nobody. Sometimes the Lord tells you to go somewhere and do something. Maybe you feel insignificant like you're not enough or that maybe they can bring some harm into your life. No, they can't because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And their hands are going to wither up when they try to touch God's anointed. And there's another lesson from that too. Don't be bashing other people preaching. You might not like the way they're preaching, but just keep your mouth shut. You know why? Because that's God's anointed. They may seem crazy to you, but John the Baptist went out and uh, was kind of crazy too. Y'all ever read the Bible? Y'all read that part? So don't come against God's anointed. I mean, I know some. I know a man that's a self-proclaimed prophet. I don't think he's a prophet at all. I don't go around going, attention everyone on Facebook, don't go listen to this guy, he's crazy. I'm not going to do it. For all I know, maybe he is. I personally don't think he is. But nevertheless, if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Don't eat or don't drink anything from this polluted land. This isn't in the message either, but this is just... This, Come out from amongst them, be ye separate. Don't eat or drink anything from this polluted land. Don't go in in the world and say, I'm just going to partake a little bit. No, he says, come out from the world and be separate. Don't go in amongst them and partake of what they're partaking of. It's a polluted land. It's called sin. But it's just a little bit. Well, it's just a little apple that Adam and Eve nibbled on too. See how, what that did for them. It's a polluted land. Don't go in. Don't eat. Don't drink. Don't lay your head. Now, it'd be an awesome story if it just stopped right there, wouldn't it? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? If some dude come in here and tried to grab a hold of me and his hand withered up and I prayed for him and he left. That'd be pretty awesome. But the story doesn't end there, unfortunately. In that same land, like I said, there's this old prophet. And this old prophet was backslidden. Because he's living in a wicked land. He's not prophesying against them. He's basically been bought out by Jeroboam. And Jeroboam basically says, don't prophesy against me, prophesy for me. And he's taking care of him. And he's living there. He's living in the land. Well, then his boys come running home because his boys witnessed all this. And his boys come running in. Dad, dad, you ain't going to believe what happened today. This young prophet come into town, got off his donkey, started prophesying against the king. The king tried to grab him, his hand withered up. He prayed for him. The king fell on his face crying, uh, begging for mercy. He said, come back to my house and I'm going to feed you and do all this. And the young prophet said, no, I ain't eating or drinking anything from this polluted land. And he left. And then something stirred up in him. He said, saddle my donkey. I got to go find this guy. So he does and he goes and he finds him out exiting the city as he's leaving. The man catches him there and he says, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. Notice there it says he was lying. He he was lying. Everybody that says... uh, Somebody told me this, or an angel told me this, or the Lord spoke to me and told me to tell you this. Let me tell you something. If it goes against what the Lord's told you to do, you better not listen to it. If the Lord, if it's not followed, if what they tell you is not followed by this book, if it's not followed by thus saith the Lord, you better not listen to it. Amen. If He gave you specific instructions and He had given Him uh, specific instructions, 
Because everything, you know, a lot of things, let's look right here in Galatians. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we've preached to you, let him be accursed. Because just because it looks spiritual and because it sounds spiritual doesn't mean that it is. Like I said, if it's not in this book and it's not followed by thus saith the Lord, you better throw it out the window not paying attention to it. You better stick to the, the plan that the Lord gave you. You can't go through here picking and choosing what you want to do because there's only one gospel, there's only one way, there's only one truth, there's only one life, and there's only one way to eternal life, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you just need to stick to that. Amen? So this young prophet is killed. Now this old prophet here, he was anointed. I'm sure when he was a young man, he was doing some amazing things and prophesying some things, but he had traded material things for the anointing. And some of you have never experienced an anointing. Everybody here is anointed to do something, but when you stand up and you minister, if you prophesy, if you lay hands on somebody and, and, and they're healed, different things, it's a different anointing for different things, and you feel it, you wouldn't trade it for material things. You'd have to be an absolute nutcase. You wouldn't trade it for anything. There, there's nothing that compares to it. There's no drug compares to it. There ain't no house. Ain't no man. Ain't no woman. Ain't no vehicle. There ain't no nothing that compares to it. And there's some preacher, I don't even remember who, Josh has said it before. He said, I wouldn't trade the anointing for a city wrapped with a golden, ga- a golden fence all the way around the thing. That's pretty valuable. But he had traded the anointing for material things. This young prophet was killed and he, uh, he puts him on his donkey, brings him back and he buries him in his own, own tomb and it says he's mourning. That's because he realized the influence he had on this young prophet's life. The bad influence that he had on him. This young prophet could have continued prophesying and could have continued doing great things if it hadn't been for me. If it hadn't been for the lie I told him, if it hadn't been for my influence on his life, he would still be... Living for the Lord, serving the Lord, prophesying, preaching, teaching, doing different things for the Lord. Because of what I've done, now he's, I've influenced him in an evil way. Now he's, he's dead. And it's a strange request. He says, bury his bones in my grave. And then when I die, I put my bones in there with, with his bones. It's amazing what one person just... A person's influence, a personal influence, one person can have on another human being or a group of people, good or evil. I know you don't think your life uh, influences others, but it does. Adam's in the garden by himself, and God said, it's not good for man to be alone, and he created him somebody else. You know what? There wasn't nobody for him to influence. Can't be an influence to anybody. But every one of us in this room is an influence to somebody. I know... A lot of times you, you think, ain't nobody looking at me. Nobody's looking up to me. Nobody's mimicking me. Nobody's copying me. I'm not, I don't have an influence. Romans, the 14th chapter, says you do in the 7th verse. It says, for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. So either you're right or the word's right. You don't live to yourself and you don't die to yourself. You do have an influence, and your, your influence can do a whole lot. It can do a whole lot of good, and it can do a whole lot of bad. And I tell you, what I've seen impact people more than anything is just a steady influence. I know you meet somebody, and you, 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 I've seen people meet people, and they try teaching the whole Bible in one day. 
Now, if you're just a steady influence at work, if you're just a steady influence every day in and day out, that's a bigger impact than anything. Just a steady, they just got to see Jesus day in and day out. When you come in and you come out, you're casting a shadow just like Peter. Just a steady influence and it will impact people's lives. Your, your steady influence can impact them good or bad. They can be a steady influence of evilness and wickedness and cursing and a long list of bad things. Or they can have a steady influence of a man or a woman that's serving the Lord and living for the Lord and not compromising the Word of God. Not saying, well, I know the Lord told me not to eat or drink of this polluted land, but I'm just going to get a little bit. That young prophet was lied to. He ate and he drank. This lion attacked him and killed him and took his life. You know why? Because there's a roaring lion out there seeking. And it follows you. It follows you. The influence you have does. You think about Abraham. He birthed three religions. Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. Thank the Lord for Christianity. But those three religions are still alive and well today. And that was... No, they're not. There's only one of them that's alive and well, but there are three. And the other two people think they're alive and well, but they're they dead and they ain't, they're, they're bad. But nevertheless, they were birthed thousands of years ago. Moses, thousands of years ago, set the captives free, the Ten Commandments. Guess what? That's still impacting us today. Boy, is it ever. Paul. He goes out in the desert for three years. He goes out there in the desert with nobody but the Lord, just him and the Lord. And I think he has Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, possibly Psalms. When he goes out there three years, but he comes back with Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I was just reading uh, Philippians this morning. It's still impacting me 2,000 years later. Amen. So there's a lot of young people in this room. And I say young, I don't mean five. I mean young, 20, 30. I'm pretty young too. I'm about to be 44 Tuesday. If y'all want to get me a gift, just letting you know, it's my birthday, July 2nd. But whose influence are you following? Whose influence are you following? Who are you hanging around with? That's why as a parent, you have to be careful who your kids hang around with. So it don't matter. It does matter. Boy, does it matter. It matters. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, the 33rd verse. Do not be misled. Why? Because bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good morals. You take a good Christian boy or girl, young man or woman, they start hanging around with bad company, it'll corrupt it. It's a polluted land. It matters. And we need to strive to be a good influence. Day in and day out, we need to strive to be a good influence. Everybody who are around, we're, we're making an impact. Somebody's looking at you. I, sometimes I think I should have never got that tag that said seven mile because I had to drive a lot different. <laughs> I'm serious. That tag keeps me in check. I don't, now I don't just straight run stop signs, I just roll them. We need to strive to be a good influence. The Duke of Wellington said this about Napoleon. He said, I'd rather have Napoleon than 40,000 men. 
Because when Napoleon's on the battlefield, his presence is the same thing as 40,000 men because of his influence. When I read that, I was thinking, it reminded me of Braveheart. Those guys are ready to give up. But just one dude comes along, Mel Gibson's face is all painted up blue, and he gets out there riding a horse. And it's amazing that there's thousands of people, and he's screaming off one horse. How in the heck do they hear him over 300 yards away? I'll never know. But nevertheless, they're, woo, they're ready to go, and they go out there and they kill a bunch of people. One man, the influence. Napoleon was equivalent to 40,000. In Revelations, well, let's look right here real quick. This is I'm just going to hit this one real quick. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord in the days which Joada the priest instructed him. And I don't even know where I was going with that, but I wrote that scripture down. Um, I guess I guess my point to that was. You can do what's right in the sight of the Lord or you can do what's wrong in the sight of the Lord. Amen? In Revelations right here, it says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. That, that's powerful right there. That's powerful right there. That they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. That's the, that's the, y'all getting that? They may rest from their labors. Now they can rest, but guess what? Their works are going to follow them. What that means is when you die, it's not over. Your influence is still going to follow you. It's still going to impact people one way or the other. Just because when you, just because you die, it's not over. Your influence lives on one way or the other. Your influence lives on. I know it does. I, I, boy, do I know it does. And some of y'all know this, some of you don't. Uh, my, my wife's uh, uh, mother, her name's Paulette, she's in heaven. That's where she's at right now. Her influence still lives on all the time in my house because things and situations arise. And we'll talk about it. And either me or Jackie will say, she'll say, well, well here's what my mother always said. She said, she always said to do this. I said, well, let's do that then. You know why? Because her influence still lives on. There's a lady named Mary Malone in the early 1900s from New York, and she was a chef, and she cooked for a bunch of families. And she'd go in and cook for these families, and all of a sudden typhoid fever breaks out, and a bunch of people start dying. People in all these families start dying. The families start dying off, and they're trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Where is this typhoid fever coming from? It's here, it's here, it's here, it's here. They found out the common denominator was the shelf. It was the lady. She was a carrier of this typhoid fever. Why one killing her? I don't know. I don't know all the facts. I'm not a doctor, but I'll tell you this. It was killing everybody else. So she got a nickname called Typhoid Mary. And she disappeared. She is gone. Then six years later, somewhere else, guess what? 200 people start dying. They started finding out everybody's dying that ate at this restaurant. They hired old Typhoid Mary and there's a cook. And she was cooking and people was falling off and dying left and right. Her nickname, like I said, was Typhoid Mary. 
And Mary was contaminating people. Are you hanging around with a spiritual typhoid, Mary? Because a spiritual typhoid, Mary, will influence you and she'll contaminate you. And you need to guard your heart. You need to guard your heart. In Proverbs, the fourth chapter, the 23rd verse, it says, Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart because out of it flows life, the issues of life. And the Bible tells you out of the abundance of the heart, guess what? It flows out of your mouth. He says, Guard your heart. Guard it. Above all, guard it. You've got to be careful who you hang around with. You've got to be careful who's influencing you, who you're letting influence your life. And more importantly, you've got to be a good influence on others. Some of my boys have been working, or all of them have been working for me some this summer, one more than the other two. <laughs> but anyway, the one that's been there the most has been influenced by my, uh, some of my, my men that I work with because they come home saying the things that they say. It's just a, you don't think it's that big of a deal, just picking up on just little bitty things, and they're just kind of funny, really. Because I had this one guy, and uh, like if he's doing something and he puts it together, he'll say, that's the ticket. And Kyle's been coming home, and uh, Jackie, like fixing some food and put it up in front of him, he'll say, that's the ticket. <laughs> and some other things. Uh, one thing he'll do, I cut him a piece of wood, and I hand, Kyle takes it over to him, he puts it in, it fits perfect, he'll go, I like it. I like it, like that. Same thing, some pizza, she does it in front of him. I like it. Like, where are you hearing these things? Well, I know where you're hearing it. You're influenced by this 58-year-old man here. There's nothing wrong with saying you like it or saying that's the ticket, but you see what I'm talking about. He could have come home curse, cursing, where in the world did you hear that? Well, I know where you heard it. From this influence over here. Second Kings, the... I don't think that's right. Let me look right here. Well, you know what? I'm going to move on for the sake of time. That scripture right there is talking about... Uh, that I was going to read to you. He's talking about a, a man that's influenced by his parents. His parents are wicked, and he he become a wicked man because he's influenced by his parents. And it's a you know kind of like evil parent, even evil child. And people say all the time, "I'm not making anybody do it." You know how if you if you this has become very popular nowadays. Things just thirty years ago, things that that you never heard of. Now you hear of them. I'm talking about areas of sin. And if you did hear of it back then, and I, even, I know it's even worse for some of you older folks. I'm talking about my lifetime. But if you did hear of it, it's like, oh my goodness, they're doing that? Who in the world would do something like that? I can't believe that. That's awful. Now it, it's become the norm. And it's not the norm. Anything against the Word of God is not the norm. It's abnormal. It's jacked up. That's what it is. But society tried to make it this culture, whatever. That's just normal now. Sins just become trivial. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And um, people say, well, it's not hurting anybody else. What I choose to do, it's not, I'm not making them do it. 
It's not hurting anybody. What I choose to do is not hurting anybody else. Yes, it does. We just read the scripture. No man lives unto himself. No man dies unto himself. You are influencing someone else. That's a fact. Well, you say, I can do what I want and it's not going to hurt anybody else. It is going to hurt somebody else. You should be concerned about your influence and, and uh, what, who you're influencing. Just because you can stop at one don't mean they can. And people are still speaking to us today. They've been gone for a long time. You look at Moses and you think about his meekness. Abraham, you always... Abraham, first thing that pops in your mind is the faith, the faith that he had. And maybe you get in a situation sometimes and you're reminded you need the faith just like Abraham had. David, quick to repent. David, he was a worshiper. He prays and he worshiped. Sometimes he did it naked, the Bible tells us. He got into it so hard, he danced so hard, his clothes come off. Don't do that up in here, please. You think about Joshua when, when you and your family are put in a position. What to do? Should I do this or should I do that? Should I compromise? Should I go one way or the other? You think about Joshua says, you can do what you want. But as for me and my family, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to serve the Lord. I don't care if everybody else is going that way. I'm going this way. I'm keeping my eye on the mark. That's what Joshua says. And I'm reminded of it. You're, you, all of us are reminded of Paul's determination. He didn't quit. He said, I've learned to be satisfied when they've got me thrown in prison, knocked my teeth out, and I don't have nothing. And I'm satisfied when I've got plenty, and I'm satisfied right in the middle. I'm satisfied just whatever. He's satisfied because he's satisfied in Jesus. Can't nobody take that away from him. And you can't add to it. It don't get any better. Paul says, we're more than a conqueror. And I'm reminded of those words all the time. I'm more than a conqueror. Jesus fought the fault, the fought the fight. He did the work, but I got the paycheck. You did too. See, when you, you die, your influence doesn't die. It lives on. And a lot of people don't know my schedule. All pastors don't drink coffee and play golf every day or sit in their office and study the Bible. I wish I could do, well, I don't really want the coffee, and I've never played golf, I really don't care to. I'd like to drive a golf cart, maybe and act crazy on that or something, but that'd be about as close as I'd need to get to a golf course. But a lot of pastors do get to just sit in the office during the week, study and take care of church things. But a lot of pastors have to work. A lot of them do, and I'm one of those. And uh, so... You know, here's how my day goes. And, you know, I get up about anywhere between 5 and 6, depending on where I'm working. Sometimes I'm working close to home. I can stay in the bed a little longer or lay around a little longer. And sometimes I have to get on up about 5 and get up and go to work and come back home around 5 or so, just in time to go to baseball practice or just in time to uh, change clothes and make myself a little more presentable and drive across town to meet a potential customer and look at jobs, estimate things of that nature. Uh, Or uh, if we're not doing baseball practice, I have one other son, he's uh, riding, and one son that's fishing, taking one fishing, taking one riding, doing these different things. And the time you get finished with all that, you're worn out, you're tired, you don't even care what's for supper anymore, and you're just exhausted and you eat, take a shower, you go to bed. 
get up the next day, do it again. And Saturday's your off day, except you don't get off because you're getting up again at five something and you're driving across the state to sit all day out in the hot sun at a baseball tournament, or you're driving to South Alabama like yesterday to go to a dirt bike race. You leave home at 5 a.m. and you get back home later at night and you're completely worn to a frazzle, and then you get in the bed and then you set your alarm for Sunday morning again for 5.30 so you can get up here and spend some time with the Lord uh, before service. And uh, that ain't easy. It ain't for sissies, I can tell you. And this morning was particularly not for sissies because I raced yesterday and I barely could even get myself out of the bed. I had to roll out. Literally. Roll out. But anyway, I say all that to say this. Lots of mornings in my life, lots of mornings, when I wake up and I'm getting out of the bed, my feet hit the floor. Or a lot of... Uh, evening times when I'm tired, worn out, exhausted, and I really don't have a, a, the energy strength to go anymore. I just want to go home and just lay on my couch just for a minute in the air conditioner. Here, here's what I say. Here's what I say to myself all the time because of somebody who influenced me. He didn't stand behind the pulpit and he didn't preach. He wasn't a teacher in the classroom, but it was my granddaddy. I called him Papa. And I say this all the time. See, he influenced me. He's gone, but his influence is still here. I ask myself out loud, when I'm tired and I don't want to go anymore, I say, what will Papa do? I know what he'd do. He'd get up and go. You couldn't stop him. Man couldn't be stopped. But he influenced me. You see what I'm saying? He's gone. He's in heaven. But on a weekly basis, when I find myself weak, I say, what will Papa do? And I just, it gives me strength to go on. You know why? Because he did it. And there's an influence left for me. Amen. And when we go and we're gone, guess what? We're going to leave an influence behind ourselves. Moses goes up to the mountain for 40 days. And he left Aaron in charge. He said, you're the preacher while I'm gone. I've got to go take care of some business. I'll be back in about six weeks. Handle it. He comes back down the mountain. They're worshiping a golden calf. When he left, they were all consecrated, serving, living for God. He comes back now. They're worshiping a golden calf. And then Moses comes back and finds them worshiping a golden calf. And he says, what in the world's going on? And Aaron said, who, he said, I told him, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me and cast it into the fire. And this calf just came out. We just threw the gold in the fire and this calf just came out. It didn't just come out. Are you kidding me? It came out with legs and it came out with a tail and it came out with horns. It didn't just come out like that. You know how all that stuff was formed? Because while Moses was gone, there was an influence there. Aaron was influencing them and they were molding and they were shaping and his influence was molding and shaping this calf. And Moses says, here's the deal. Whoever's going to serve the Lord, get on this side right over here. We, we, we fix and consecrate. Get on this side. Whoever's not on this side, go kill them. 3,000 people died that day. What an influence. Just in six, seven weeks' time, 40 days, 3,000 people lost their life. I didn't ask them to be like me. I didn't ask them to be like me. Hmm. I never told them to do what I do. Here's the deal. What they were and what they are 
The only thing in between what they were and what they are is you. That's tweetable, quotable, Facebookable, or whatever you want to say. But the thing between what they used to be and what they are now is you. They can go from really good to really bad. Depends on the influence you are. They can go from really bad to really good. Depends on what you are. Amen? It's, it's awfully quiet in here. Must be some bad influences. Influence ideas, influence habits. Here's the deal. Here's what I was thinking about this week. Every, every person in here, one day you're going to get the opportunity to stand before God and you're going to get the answer for your influence because you're here to influence others. What's your answer going to be? Hmm. That's sobering, isn't it? So you make and handle it. Well, I'm just, I'm just going to do a little bit of this or just drink a little bit of this or it's just a little drugs or it's just a little of this. Well, maybe you can do just a little, but maybe that person watching you that says, well, he's doing it. That's my niece, my nephew, my son, my daughter, my grandson, my granddaughter, whoever it is. Maybe they're watching you and they see Papa do it or Mama do it or aunt and uncle, whoever do it. And they say, well, now you're influencing. And maybe, maybe Uncle Bobby can stop at one, at one, but maybe Cousin Red can't. And he becomes a full-blown alcoholic. Why? Because of that influence. Maybe he gets strung out on drugs. Why? Influence. And I'll tell you this. As a parent, as a parent, as an aunt and uncle, as a grandma and a grandfather, whatever you are, dear Lord, if you won't do it for yourself, do it for them so you can be a good influence on them. So you can lead them down the right road. So here's here's a question I have for you today. Uh, is this? It's a very sobering question too. So listen. As a parent, would your son or would your daughter have a better chance of being saved? And serving the Lord and growing up to be a man or a woman of God with or without your influence. Would they, have a, would they have a better chance without you or with you? Would your grandchildren have a better chance of serving the Lord with or without you? In other words, what's your influence doing? Are you influencing them to be the man and the woman God's created them to be? Or would they be better off without you? I know some kids that would absolutely be better off without their parents. If they were just removed and put in another home, they'd be better because of this influence they've been getting. That's the truth. So I just want you to ask yourself that question. What kind of influence am I making on my children? Would your little nieces and nephews, your cousins, would they be better off with or without your influence? Same bones. Bones are going to follow the bones. They're going to throw those bones off in the same grave. Do you hear me? You may die, but your influence lives on. Achan told a lie. He did some things wrong. And because of his influence, because of what he did, he died, his wife died, his whole family, every one of them died. Influence. You ever heard of Matthew Henry? A lot of people haven't. 
If you're around my age, you've been in ministry, you've probably heard of him. If you're older, you probably definitely have. He, uh, he wrote Matthew Henry, Henry Commentaries. You know what he did before he wrote Commentaries? Anybody know? He drank whiskey. And he was a lawyer. He was a lawyer who drank whiskey. He drank a lot of whiskey. In fact, he'd get up in the morning... He lived in Chicago, and I've told this story before when I preached a sermon about big boots. His little boots follow big boots. Anyway, he'd get up, and he'd walk to his office. On the way to his office, he would stop at a bar, and he would go in and get him a drink of whiskey. He'd get one for the road. He'd go to work, and then that evening when he'd come home from his office, he'd stop in the same bar and get him a few drinks and go into the house. He had a drinking problem. You can read it for yourself. But this one morning he got up and there's some fresh snow on the ground. Oh, Matthew Henry got up and he's going to work. And he gets to this bar and he, he's fixing to open the door. He hears the sound behind him. He turns around and looks behind him and it's his little boy, eight, nine, ten-year-old kid. And he's taking big steps and he's putting his feet inside his dad's boots. And his dad quickly turned around and grabbed him, took him back home. His mother went down the basement fell before the Lord and cried out to him saying, Dear Lord, I don't want to be an influence, a bad influence on my son. I don't want him to follow in these same footsteps, this same reckless life that I'm living. I don't want... Because you know, at the end of the day, all the money the lawyer was making, the big house, the bass boat, the uh, lake house, all that stuff really don't matter because I've never seen a hearse with a... uh, Trailer hitch, pulling a boat to a funeral, or a U-Haul pulling all your stuff to the funeral, because the only thing you're going to leave behind that matters is your influence. Hello. It's the Holy Spirit. He's calling. You better answer that thing. Don't roll it over to voicemail. That's what He does. He calls, and we just keep hitting that button. He's knocking, you hide in the corner and go, be real quiet, he'll go away in a minute. Your parents ever told you to do that? Oh, yeah. Had somebody do it to me last week. Little kid looking through the window going, somebody's here. And she's like, shut up, get out of that window, come here. And they were hiding from me. All I wanted to do was just let her know I was there to work so I didn't surprise her. But anyway, my mother used to make me do that all the time. And the preacher come by, the preacher come by to see she'd be like, shh. No, I'm kidding. It'd be like somebody selling a vacuum cleaner or something. Instead of just open the door and going, we don't want no vacuum cleaner, get on out of here. She'd make us hide and be quiet. I went to a lady's house this week and she came out and she said, what do you want? It's like that, seriously. What do you want? And I said, well, I'm just here selling dictionaries. No, encyclopedias. I said, I'm just here selling encyclopedias. She goes, get out of here. I said, I'm kidding. I'm, I was here to look at your deck. Oh, okay. Well, come on in. She was real nice. Here lies the bones of an old prophet. And one day, here lies the bones of mom and dad. And then shortly thereafter, here lies the bone of son and daughter. Here, here lies the bones of mom and dad. What kind of influence did mom and dad leave behind? Here's the son and daughter. Their bones are thrown on top of their bones. Is, is it possible that son and daughter, they wanted to serve the Lord, but the influence of the mom and dad, maybe they would have. Maybe they would become preachers and ministers. Maybe they'd been on praise and worship team. But the influence of their bones followed their bones. 
Where are your bones leading somebody? Where are your bones leading your children? It's easier to serve the Lord when you're around a good influence. Let me tell you, it's easier to serve the Lord when you're around a good influence. It's hard to serve the Lord when you're around a bad influence. It's hard for other people to serve the Lord when they're around your bad influence. It's easier for everyone to serve the Lord when you're around other people that influence you in a good way in the things of God. That's why it's important who you hang around. And we just read this scripture about uh, hanging around with bad people corrupts good morals, corrupts good behavior because it's important who you hang around with because it's an influence. And I was just thinking this morning as I'm sitting down in my office and I wrote this down on my paper, I wrote my wife. Because I was sitting there thinking to myself, in my 44 years of life, who's been the greatest influence in my life? She has. That's a fact. I've had some great influences in my life, but for 25 years I've had the greatest influence of my entire life right there in the house with me because we've been married. And she's influenced me more than anybody. She has. It's easy to serve the Lord when you're living with somebody like that. It's easy to serve the Lord when you're hanging around a good influence. It always reminds you what the Word of God says. And no matter when it seems like you're going through hell, she just reminds you what the Word of God says. That you might be in a valley right now, but you're not there alone. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. If you went today, if you went on into eternity today, what kind of influence would you leave behind? What kind of influence would you leave behind? Are you happy with the influence that you've made? You're still alive, aren't you? If you're not happy with it, you can do something about it. And some other people have been a bad influence on you. Get away from them. You've got to pull back away from that. You need to be hanging around some people with some good influences on you. But I'm talking about personally, on a personal level right here, just ask yourself the question, if I went to eternity today, am I going to leave behind a good influence? Am I leaving a good influence behind? Are people going to be reminded of how you lived and what you did and what you said and how you stood on the Word and how you prayed and how you had faith? Is it going to leave a good influence or a bad influence? Because nobody's in control of that but you. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. I can't even do it for my own kids. I just try to be the best influence I can for my family and for those around me. There's a lot of things that thoughts come through my mind, the words try to come out of my mouth, and I have to remind myself of the influence. And Trenton Walters, his daddy's had his knee replaced. He's at home taking care of him and his mom today. Because the dad takes care of the mom, but now the dad can't take care of the mom because his knee just got replaced. So Trenton's taking care of dad and mom. But he said, my daddy, <clears throat> I went to the race yesterday. He said, my daddy told me to tell you, you need to be careful out there because you got a, a big influence on people and you, you don't need to get yourself hurt out there. And as I was clicking along through the woods at a high rate of speed through the dust and I couldn't see where I was going, I could hear Mr. Walter saying that and I'd check up. That's the truth. I'd check up. Because I was thinking about the influence. It's hard to influence somebody when you're laid up in the hospital with a broke leg, isn't it? Well, praise team, y'all come on up here. We're going to close right here.
And this sermon means different things to different people. And maybe you need some help with your influence. Maybe you need some supernatural help with your influence. So today's the day. It can change right here, right now. You can come in one way and go out another. You can go out better than you came in. You can come in being a person who was a bad influence and you can go out and start being a person of good influence. Today's a new day. His mercies are new every day. Amen. When we were during praise and worship, this scripture right here, the Lord put this on my heart. Now, I know a lot of people have been influenced by their parents, good and bad. Good and bad. I'm talking about people that's been influenced bad by their parents. I don't know who that is, but some people here whose parents did it, now you've fallen in their footsteps. You're like the little kid. You see yourself walking in your dad's footsteps or your mom's footsteps. You're, You're starting to become her, or you're starting to become him. And frankly, it's a little scary. Maybe you've already become him or you've already become her and you don't want to be him or you don't want to be her. Because of the influence they made on you and you don't want to be the same influence to your kids or to your family or those around you that they were. But maybe you just feel like you're trapped. You ever heard of this thing called a generational curse? You can get hung up in that if you don't know what the Word of God says about it. And somebody in here this morning, I know, because the Lord wouldn't put this on my heart, and I don't know who it is, but somebody's walking in those footsteps. Somebody sees their self becoming their mom, or they see their self becoming their dad, and that's not the direction you want to go, but you just feel like you're stuck in that. Here's Jeremiah prophesying. He said, I got some good news for you. In those days, they shall say no more. That the fathers have eaten sour grapes and their t- children's teeth are set on edge. That means the, the parents ate the sa- sour grapes. You know what it is when you eat something sour, set your teeth on edge. He says, no longer will they say that anymore. That the parents ate it, and but the children's teeth are set on edge. That's because the, the influence that the parents made, the mistakes that the parents made. Are you following me? He says, there's a day coming. It's a new covenant. They won't say that anymore, but everyone shall die for his own iniquity and every man eats the sour grapes and his teeth will be set on edge. In other words, if your teeth are set on edge, it's because you ate the sour grapes, not because your mom and daddy did. And you can get trapped up in this generational curse. Great grandma, she got pregnant when she was 14. Grandma got pregnant when she was 14. Did your grandma get pregnant when she was 14? Your mama did, and now you are, and you can look at it. It's just coming down generation after generation after generation after generation. They drank, they did drugs, they cussed, they partook of this, worldly things, and you just see it trickling right on down. It's come down for four generations, and now it's right there in your house. Well, it doesn't have to be. It says, no longer will the teeth of the children uh, be set on edge by the sour grapes that their parents ate. You know why? Because Jesus went to your cross and he died for you. And as he's hanging on this cross, those Roman soldiers said, Hey, you thirsty up there? You want a drink? Well, of course he was thirsty, but they're talking about a natural thirst, and he didn't care about a natural thirst. He was thirsty for righteousness because there was an exchange that took place as he's hanging on the cross. You and I got the righteousness, and he got the sin of the whole world. All of your sin and my sin was upon his body. So yeah, he was pretty thirsty. He was thirsty for righteousness because he had had righteousness for 33 years, and just like that, it's been taken from him. So yeah, he's thirsty. And they said, you want something to drink up there? And they're just being cruel. 
They don't even know that they're fulfilling this prophecy right here. And they dip that sponge in that that hyssop branch, the same one that was applied, the blood of Jesus was applied to the doorpost that got the children of Israel out of bondage. That same branch, that same branch that applied the blood is the same branch that applied the curse. And they dipped it in the sour grapes, the sour wine, the sour vinegar, whatever you're going to call it. And they stuck it up to Jesus' mouth. There was an exchange right there that took place. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the curse. He took it for you. You don't have to be like mama. You ain't got to be like daddy. You don't have to fall in that generational curse. You can be the daddy and the mama that God's called you to be. You can be the influence that you need to be for your kids. You can do it. And I asked Anna when I got up here to sing this song. Because you say, how in the world do I do it? How do I fight this battle? Well, how you fight it is letting God fight it. Is when it seems real bad, just keep praying. When it seems bad, just keep worshiping. When you don't know what else to do, just hit your knees in prayer. And just pray for a supernatural strength. A supernatural influence. That when I walk in the room, everybody knows somebody's here. His name's Jesus. There's something a little bit different about me. And I'm going to influence and I'm going to impact everybody around me. When I'm gone, I'm going to be remembered. I'm going to leave behind an influence. I'm going to, God will give you the strength. You come lay down the burden. You come lay it all down at the altar. And just, it's between you and Him. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 